Hey, skin's fucked up. In places. Welcome to our new podcast, Fucked Up Skin. What is that shit on my skin? <laughs> and look at our follow-up with our Instagram account where we post pictures of weird things on our skin. Yeah, we could we could probably do that. What is this rash? Yeah. <laughs> what think, is this rash that Google could I identify? Think there's actually a Twitter account. Of course there is. <laughs> okay, I guess welcome to our show, which is not about skincare just yet. Um, you're, you're Vicky. I'm Douglas. This is episode fifty-five of the show. We're just gonna start. We're just gonna go dive in. Yeah, who, I think this is gonna be a short one. Who cares what rocks are exposed in the bottom of the water? Let's just dive right in. <clears throat> Get, get cracking. Okay, so uh, what do you got for us on episode 55? Okay, episode 55, and it's a zinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh. I've been warning you guys about this. Yeah. <laughs> about this day. <laughs> Our run of excellent albums has dried up for the time well, being. Well, I guess it, it's the... That's subjective, I guess. I mean, to us, it's torture and hell, but, I mean, you like, uh, you like one of these albums. At um, least one of them, probably. It's funny, yeah. I used to like one. It <laughs> used to be part of my life. I've moved on, and there's one here that I found that absolutely that I like that I absolutely didn't think I would. And then the other one is just okay. So what the fuck? In general, what are these? What are the three that we're reviewing? Then okay, so the three that we're reviewing today hmm. are Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Can't even say his <laughs> name. Right? <laughs> Jimmy Buffett, a white sport coat and a pink crustacean mm -hmm. uh, the second one is Jean-Michel Jarre oxygen and the third one is Jensen, Jensen Interceptor Jensen Interceptor it's all titled again it's original <laughs> which is funny because there are other Jensen Interceptors they're spelled different and it's different music and it's cars <laughs> well there is a car or called Jen yeah, car Jensen parts. yeah yeah it was a car something like that for, for sure yeah Okay, so more of this Jimmy Buffett nonsense. What do you got? Okay, so Jimmy Buffett is an American singer, songwriter, musician, author, actor, and businessman. Yeah. Uh, he's best known for his music, which is about an island escapism lifestyle. He has a devoted fan base known as Parrotheads. He's also a best-selling author. He's involved in two restaurant chains, Margaritaville Cafe and Cheeseburger in Paradise. A uh, white sports coat and a pink crustacean was released in 1973 and is technically his second album, although Buffett himself refers to it as his first for some reason. Hmm. Um, it was not commercially successful. No, not out of the gate, no. It's considered to be one of his better albums, though, in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. which is I, I, kind of made me laugh when I read that. It's like... No. Is that a good thing? <laughs> like, is that, does that just mean the rest of his music is really shitty? And it's like, oh, this was a pretty good album. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, like, I think that afterwards, when he, in retrospect, like he had some pretty successful albums. Yeah. Later on, but he also became a caricature. Yeah, he did become a caricature, and um, I think, looking back, there are a few songs on this album that are memorable. Um, the name of the album, A White Sports Coat and a Pink Crustacean, is actually a play on uh, a Marty Robbins album that came out called A White Sports Coat and a Pink Carnation. Mm -hmm. um, he's known for his crazy outdoor concerts, which I have been to a couple. And yeah, yeah they are pretty crazy. 
um, everybody drinks margaritas and the crowd gets drunk and Jimmy gets drunk and everybody drunk. has a good time. Drunk and high. Drunk and high. Oh, not so much high back oh. in that day. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was pretty much frowned upon. Uh, I think you should probably look into a history of... In the 70s? Considering what, what the name of his band was or his other the band. The Coral Reefer Band? The re yeah, the Coral Reefer Band. There's lots of mention of weed into shit. Okay. okay. Whatever. I guess I just wasn't into it back then. I guess not. And that makes it nobody else was. No, that's fine, Elkie. <laughs> no one's judging you, Elkie. Oh, the producer was Don Gant. He's an American singer, songwriter, and record producer. Mm -hmm. He produced albums for Jimmy Buffett, Lefty Frizzell, Eddie Raven, and Roy Orbison. Oh. The track listing on this album is The Great Filling Station Hold Up, Railroad Lady, He Went to Paris, Grapefruit, Juicy Fruit, Cuban Crime of Passion, Why Don't We Get Drunk and Screw, which of course everyone in the crowd loved when he played that. Well, that's like that. That was the single, wasn't it? It was a single. Yeah. Uh, side two, Peanut Butter Conspiracy, They Don't Dance Like Carmen No More, I Have Found Me a Home, My Lovely Lady, and Death of an Unpopular Poet. The runtime on this album is 35 minutes and 35 seconds. And for context, if you're a Jimmy Buffett fan and want to know what album came first, Vicky? Uh, before, I found conflicting information. Um, two places said it was a, a, an album called Down to Earth, which was released in 1971. Mm -hmm. And one says uh, it was High Cumberland Jubilee, which relate, was related in... Released. Down to Earth was 1970. Okay. And the other one, High Cumberland Jubilee, was released in 1971. Um, the album after this is called Living and Dying in Three Quarters Time. Hmm. And it was also released in 1974. Okay. So. So yeah, you might as well you might as well go on this one because you definitely have more. I mean, being to concerts and stuff, you had you owned his albums. You might as well get cracking on this one. I'm not sure. I don't think Crack I ever away. owned this album. I was more of a fan when the um, like in his later days. Yeah, it's was, it was like more cartoony bullshit. Because to me, this one is it's so weird because it's just. It's a fucking country album. It's very country, yes. This is a really twangy, which is boring to me to begin with. And it's like he actually, they, they called him a, um, what is the name of that? Key West. Yeah. He was a, he had a Key West sound, which is kind of Calypso and whatnot. Which I don't think. And this album came before that. Yeah, I was going to say, this def definitely doesn't have any of this. It's like, no, this you is pick country, out a, straight up country. Yeah, you can go to Nashville in, the, in what was this, 1971? Yeah. 1970. 73. Yeah. Go go to Nashville and pick up a million albums that sound exactly like this. Yeah. Um, and that that was another disappointment. Is I mean, I'm glad it wasn't just some stupid uh, resort-themed kind of music. But at the same time, it was just boring, twangy country music that... Yeah, definitely was country get anywhere. music. I will say you could see, you could see where he was going to go with some of his yeah. stuff. Because like some of that Jimmy Buffett stuff was, start, was starting to show up. Um, obviously the, the, the big hit off of here, the drunken screw one that goes towards more of the other stuff, but everything else on here is just like, I was, so, I was surprised. I mean, not that I was going to like it anyway, but I was surprised it's just how country I I thought it was considering the way the rest of his stuff is. It's not like that. No, no. So. And like he's, like I said, it's been, it's years later that he actually really hones that yeah. Key West sound and, and gets more into his poetic storytelling about 
different interesting characters I'm that he's come across. I'm sure all that's in there, but it's just I, it's, I never found either phase interesting. But I'm sure that I'm sure that that part of it's in there. It's just 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 does it differently later on. Yeah, and it just kind of gets lost and like I said, mediocre. But you, well, like I said, you like you like this stuff. So you didn't own this album. No, I don't think that I did. No, I owned some of his later but you, stuff. But you knew the songs off of it, quite a few of them, anyway. Yeah, um, because of, I I would listen to that other music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never bought the albums, but I would listen to it. And my absolute favorite song on this album is "He Went to Paris." Oh. It's just it's a beautiful story, and yeah, it's my absolute. And the rest of it's kind of just crazy fun. Fun in quotation marks. <laughs> quotation marks. Yeah. Okay. Stories about people. Um, there were quite a few singles released off this album. Uh, the Great Filling Station Hold Up, apparently. Oh really? Uh, he went to Paris, which is my favorite song. Uh, Grapefruit, Juicy Fruit was a single. What was and... the last song on this uh, on this album? Because clearly, to me, somebody told him at one point it was producer was like, "You got to make a, a Cat Stevens song, or you got to make Death a... of, of an Unpopular Poet." Yeah, that sounds exactly like uh, so someone told him to write a Cat Stevens or um, uh, Bob Dylan song. Because that's what it con- it's totally the way it sounds and, and it's structured. And it's just like it's so different than a lot of the other stuff on the album. I thought it was just kind of odd. Yeah, and he wasn't <laughs> like a storyteller like um, Harry Chapin. Or, yeah, or Harry Chapin would be another, another uh, example. But his know. songs are stories, I guess, in a loose way about people living that Key West lifestyle. Yeah. Where did that get you now? Where, where are you now, Boomers? Where are you now? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, me. two more. They Don't Dance Like Carmen No More and I Have Found Me a Home oh. are the two other singles off this album. Oh, okay. I couldn't find any information about where they stood on yeah. music charts or anything like was, that. But I thought it was weird, too, when, when I was looking at stuff that, um, for an album, I thought that was at least somewhat popular, that there would be more information about it but there really wasn't a lot no this album wasn't very popular when it well came when it out. first came out but yeah. it has a, a yeah it's of, kind of in hindsight gained uh, cult following i guess yeah i guess that's what you could call it but um so yeah a uh, white sport coat and pink crustacean uh, jimmy buffett abc slash dunhill records catalog nine zero two three five zero one five zero um condition the cover uh, is bad and it's water damaged, bad, badly water damaged all over. The glue is broken. It's not a good, not a good scene, man. And there's no sleeve. Uh, the vinyl's poor. It's scratched. It's also water damaged. There's mold. I, Funny, I, it doesn't seem like a picture or seem like an album your parents would take to a party to. Uh, I don't know if it was listen to a lot necessarily, or if it's just one that just got the shitty end of the stick in the storage room. So yeah. it's got water like it's clearly messed up so yeah. uh, follow us over on Instagram to see what I'm talking about because I post the, all three albums and front and back over there so you can see with the water damage so that's pretty terrible all the way around uh, the audio for the album I don't know I'm glad our, our needle's broken I'm glad we didn't have to drag it across this fucking album uh, it's not in good shape at all it's scratches molds all that all that bad stuff uh, album design Alan Secular? It's, it's, it looks like secular, but it's not spelt that way. Um, and so it's S-E-K-U-L-E-R. Uh, art direction by Ruby Mazur, which I'm sure we've had him on the show. So Alan, a graphic designer with 27 credits to his name uh, using Discogs. He's worked with B.B. King, James Gang, John Lee Hooker, plus some others. 
Okay, and I'm pretty sure we had Ruby on the show before, but Ruby Mazur, or Mazar. Uh, so R-U-B-Y-M-A-Z, or Z, I guess, U-R-Gallery.com. Okay, he's an American artist who has created the cover of over 3,000 albums. Uh, former art director for Famous Music, ABC Dunhill, and Paramount Records. Uh, he's worked with artists such as The Fifth Dimension, The Rolling Stones, B.B. King, Elton John. Uh, is one of the creators for the Rolling Stones uh, tongue mouth logo. Interesting. Uh, has been uh, he's been in dispute with Rolling Stones, in particular Mick Jagger, since the '80s over the tumbling dice logo. He created it for Mick Jagger back in the day. He got paid something like ten grand for it, but and then it got to a certain point where Mick Jagger wouldn't give him the, the rights back to use it for anything else or give him any more money and pay. So. Uh, the story is one at one point uh, Ruby here is talking about how you know he'd go out to a bar or something and people would be like holy shit you know you created this logo but he talks about he was like he was fucking broke he was like food banks and shit because he wasn't he didn't get any of that money from that logo so he's still to this day and he's like his 83 or something he's still not not happy about that huh. so <laughs> he's just a broke ass artist who got the Rolling Stones kind of fucked him a little bit oh man I could go so many places with that but yeah Oh, well, we know it's Rolling so Stones steal a lot of shit from people. It's just yeah. like well, all the big bands do. Yeah, they don't want to pay. They should have just paid them. Uh, so what else you got? Um, on Discogs, uh, 16 people have this album and uh, 10 want it. Yep. <laughs> I had to laugh at this because it got 5 out of 5 in a rating. It was only one person who rated it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That made me laugh. Obviously a very much a Jimmy Buffett fan. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Buffett, is that you? Um, and historically, they've never sold one of these albums on the platform, so they have <laughs> no history at no, resale that. There's five stars, though, I tell you. That's such bullshit. Uh, so what are you giving it? I'm giving it a two out of five. Okay. Giving it a zero. And not only a zero, but as an actual medium, this album is dead. Like, there's there's no point in keeping it. It's just the vinyl's trash. Yeah. So, it's dead. Into dead. the art pile. Yeah, exactly. The okay. Pot- uh, the potential art, fi- art, art file. Okay, then uh, buff it down. You bet. Wait, wait. There. <laughs> down. Okay, next. Okay, number two. Mm-hmm. Mike Jean-Michel Jarre. I think that's how you yeah, say that, the name. that sounds about right to me. He's a French composer, performer, and record producer. He's known as a pioneer on the electronic, ambient, new age genre. And for organizing outdoor spectaculars... Featuring his music along with laser displays, large projections, and fireworks. <laughs> Oxygen was his first mainstream success released in 1976. It was recorded in a makeshift studio, which I'll talk about a little bit more, mm-hmm. coming up at his home. And it sold an estimated 12 million copies. As of 2004, he had sold an estimated 80 million albums and holds many records for crowd sizes at his events. Oh, okay. And as an example, he had 3.5 million people show up to a concert in Moscow in 1997. Oh, Moscow, yeah. Those, some of those European concerts can be legendary. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. I think about that, though. Like, That's a lot. If of... you're going, yeah, if you're going to a show, if you're going to go with like that many millions of people, what, what do you really expect to see? Well, what do you expect to hear? Okay, so I talked about it. Like he, he basically, but like even from had but, screens and fireworks and laser shows. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, but think about the space. We've been to some big shows. Oh, yeah. 
And those aren't even a drop in the bucket compared to that. So oh, no. I, I couldn't even imagine. Five million people? I couldn't imagine logistics. And no, me neither. Also, I would imagine in 1990s Russia, there probably wasn't a lot of washrooms around for those many people. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> so sorry. That, just, that whole thing, that confounds my brain. Cause he also was... did a really big show in the People's Republic of China, too. Huh. So, I guess. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. So, Oxygen is his third studio album and his first album not intended for use as a soundtrack. The album reached number one on the French charts, number mm -hmm. two in the UK, and number 78 in the US. He composed the album over an eight-month period using a number of analog synthesizers and an eight-track recorder set up in the kitchen of his apartment. <laughs> so that's his makeshift studio. It took him eight months to do it in his kitchen? Well, I think the writing of it, oh. maybe not so much the recording. Gotcha, okay. uh, it doesn't really speci specify between the two. Uh, he had a hard time getting this album released because there were no singers or proper track titles. Yeah, it's an, it's an ambient electronic album. Yeah. Huh. But as you'll see, he didn't give them any names other than part one, part two, part three, yeah. part four, part five, part six. Um, yeah. The couple of singles that were released off of here were part four and part two. Yeah, I was going to say, and those, like... Yeah, the well, I think people would probably recognize those a, a good portion of people anyway. Oh, that's the do 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 do. That's one is of that them. the one we we that's, were trying to figure out where we'd heard it. Before? Yeah, that's one of them. I, yeah, and I know where uh, a good chunk of this stuff. I mean, it's been sampled so much. But sorry, and you've 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 said all the song titles. Hey, it's yeah. just oxygen one through five, right? One through six. six. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. And well, first of all. It's one of these albums that, and we've come across this before, it's almost like Tangerine Dream. Yeah. First of all, I had to go look it up because, honestly, it sounded, sounded so like Vangelis so much that I thought it was, first I thought it was Blade Runner. Because it's that kind of synth pop, but it's not quite the same. It would be interesting. Can you remember what year Vangelis started out? Because, like, he's... About the, around the same around time. The same like, time. I think a lot of these guys kind of popped up around the same time and it, it supported its, itself, the electronic industry, because... To me, this is one of those albums that I knew, but I didn't know that I knew. I've never listened to it before. I've seen the I've seen the collection in the collection. I fucking I think the the cover for this album is fantastic. Oh yeah, I agree. It's the world one hundred percent. The world is peeling apart, and it's just a skull underneath. I've, and I've always I've always seen this in the collection. I've always been aware, and I've never listened to it. But it's amazing how much this album has been an influence on a listening. Uh, my, my listening and and just some of the music that you and I both listen to. Like I yeah. said, putting this album on was like, oh, fuck, we know this album. Yeah. I've never listened to it before, but I know it. And uh, the big thing, honestly, Coast to Coast AM was like, we sat down and shout out to Coast to Coast AM. It was like, holy shit, flashback time. Yeah, we used to listen, you know, when you're on your road trips and back in the day when there was no satellite radio, you would just constantly be... Um, scouring the drive yeah. or the, the records. The dial. The dial to uh, find something to listen to. And I can remember on many occasions, you know, being pitch black in the middle of the night, driving down some random some highway interstate highway, or yeah. some road, and we would hear that. Yeah, Coast to Coast would come on. And yeah. we just like, like you said, in the dark. And even at home, you know, back in the day, as we used to all the time, you know, 
turn the lights off and just like at nighttime and just they lay back in the dark and listen to it. So it was kind of interesting hearing those and hearing the music that they used for buffers back then. It's like, oh, holy shit. Yeah. Because Coast to Coast was some really interesting listening most of the time. Especially back in the day, yeah. Yeah. But so, when, yeah, it, it was very nostalgic for us to hear that song. For sure. And and then on top of that, how much the music off of this album has been sampled and, and so much and so many other uh, artists and songs and it's just like holy shit so yeah it surprised me quite a bit yeah. i was not did not know what to expect i like the cover so yeah i'm just this look here yeah just at that early electronic like it really this album really solidified electronic here i think in north america a bit more than it because in europe it had already been popular it was you said it was number one and number two over there mm, it was actually higher in the u.s no it wasn't yes yes it was oh really yeah I thought it was in the UK, it was number one, and the US it was 78. French number two, oh, sorry. So, number yeah. one in French, number two in the UK, and 78 in the US, sorry. So that's what I mean. So it was like see, popular over there. You have Tangerine Dream, and you have Evangelist. So they have all these starting to come together. And, yeah, because uh, Tangerine Dream is a Ger German band, right? Yeah, I think so, or European anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're German. I've, I think I saw that in my travels. And a, another band that we really like, so... Yeah. Uh, so that's it for that. So I'm going to get to start into my, my stuff there. Yeah. Unless you have anything else to add. Nope. Okay. Uh, Oxygen. Uh, I just call him JMJ. Uh, <laughs> Polydor. Polydor, uh, Polydor uh, catalog 2310555. It's an original pressing. Uh, Canada 77. I know you said it was released in 76, but... Uh, the original pressing here for Canada 77. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, condition is good. It's got a tiny bit of fade, but honestly, it's it's in fantastic condition. Uh, sleeve is like new, and the vinyl is like new. So this one across the board is in, in like, I really wish we could have spun this one because I think it would have sounded great. Yeah. So, boom. But we couldn't spin it, so we don't know what the audio is. Uh, we've been listening to it, um, for the most part, on Spotify. But with our next album, that did not work so well. Okay, cover is by... A, Michel, uh, oh god damn it, these are all French names. <laughs> a, a Gran, Granier, Granier, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but it's good. If you want to spell it like an, or say it like an American, it's Granger. Granger, it's not right. It's a, something like that. Anyways, it might they, be. they actually had, I noticed on Google, or not Google, uh, Wikipedia this time, they actually had like the pronunciations. Yeah, sometimes it. they do and sometimes they don't. It, yeah. it didn't, it made it worse for me. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, for the ones for him, yeah. for actually JMJ, yeah. it actually had it in some, it looked like Russian. No, yeah, but it's just like the actual French French pronunciation. If you were to spell it, yeah, I, I'm yeah. with you. I'm totally with you. And so it didn't like, it didn't help me at I, all. I butcher these guys' names, and I apologize, everybody. So uh, Michelle, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Granger, okay, so G R A N G E R dash M I C H E L dot com. He's still got he's a French-born visual artist. Uh, album art covers are almost entirely just for JMJ. Except for two albums and his entire everything that JMJ has done, this guy has done as well. That's one thing I didn't see in my travels. Oops. I didn't see whether he a is still making albums, yeah, or b see how many he made actually. Uh, qu uh quite a few, and I thought he Which was. Which doesn't surprise me. Two thousand seven. We were watching that video on YouTube the other day. That performance. That's from two thousand seven. So, yeah, at least within the last ten almost years that he's produced some shit. 
Yeah, while you're finishing up there, I'm going to go take a look. Okay, so yeah, the only two that aren't uh, JMJs are uh, somebody, uh, an artist named Steve Kahn and a band named Pivot. So uh, the back photo, uh, a person I'm sure we've had on here before, David Bailey. So david-bailey.co.uk is an English uh, English fashion and portrait photog. Uh, besides working for Vogue magazine, he has published dozens of books as well as dozens of galleries and uh, exhibitions, exhibits, I guess. With over 110 credits to his name, he's worked with the Rolling Stones, Marianne Faithful, Cat Stevens, Elton John, Queen, Pink Floyd. So he's done a few things. Still out there. Got he's got these. Both of these guys got the Instagrams. And they're on the Twitters. And they both have their galleries. So check them out. I followed at least I think two of them on Instagram. Oh well. So anything you'd like to add for JMJ? Uh, just other than context, the before album for this was released in 1973 called La Grange Brûlée. Um, and the after album was in 1978 called Equinox. Okay. Uh, according to the Discogs uh, app, 21 for sale from $3. 551 people have this version. 145 people want it. It gets uh, 4.09 out of 5 with 46 reviews. The resale values are $4.02, $7.13, and $16.99, depending on condition. Condition, yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. There's probably a lot of these out there, but I'm surprised it's not worth a bit more, actually. But, yeah. Uh, Okay, so what are you giving it? I'm giving it four to five. Okay, right on. Yeah, I gave it five. Did you? Yeah, yeah. This is just like, we were listening to it again here, just before we started recording, and I'm like, I'd fucking listen to that album lots. Um, and it works well, especially because we have... I, I usually don't listen to music on the Xbox because it does weird spatial processing things that I don't like. But with that music, it worked really well because it kind of gave it this fake surround effect. Mm. Very trippy, very kind of you know spacey and electronic. I know, I, yeah, it was very spacey and electronic. Like, it was I, very... I, I enjoyed it. But to me, that's one of those... And I gave it such a high mark because not only is it already, like I said, an influence in an album that... I knew before we even listened to it, which I didn't know. Yeah. Um, it's just like that that kind of influence is why I gave it the, the high marks. It's just like throw it on be like, holy shit. Honestly, it still blows my mind. Well, because to be fair, we do listen to a lot of ambient, uh, in general. new age, electronic yeah. al- uh, music. Yeah. So we have lots to compare it to, for sure. For sure. Okay, so uh, Jam J down. All righty. All right, the one that everybody's been waiting for. Everyone tuned in just for this one. Best for last. Oh my God, so little information out there about this band uh, called Jensen Interceptor. Jensen Interceptor. The only thing that I could find on it was this. It's a short-lived Canadian pop rock band from Edmonton, Alberta, formed in 1976. This album was released in 1980, and it was the first of two releases by this band. The producer was a guy named Jerry Deere, D-E-R-E, a mm-hmm. uh, Canadian keyboardist from Edmonton was all I could find. Mm-hmm. The track listing, side one, Megatune, Prelude, Tiny Thing, Freedom Fighting, Heavenly Angels, Do You Want Your Life to Be? No, Do You, do you Want Your Love to Be? Oh, Love to Be, okay. okay. I have life. It's definitely not my writing. <laughs> uh, Crazy Monkey, side two was Fine Man. Blue Boy, Cats in the Window, and Megatune theme for Bonnie Lee. The runtime of this album was 36 minutes and 2 seconds. 
Yeah, this is, a, this is an interesting one. First of all, I will admit, I think Jensen Interceptor is actually a great name for a band, but if the band was actually good. If it was like it was like a hard rocking '80s fucking kick-ass band, I'd like been like, yeah, Jensen Interceptor for sure. But it is not. It is no. not. You are misled. There's like a, some fucking ginger guy's got like pin straight hair, and he's wearing all leather, and you're like, fuck yeah, it's gonna be metal. No, it's it's not. No, it's, not, it's nothing no. good. It's nothing metal. There's it's, one song on this album that people might. You you were singing I, something. I'm pretty sure that it did get some record or some radio play Gen called Con. Tiny Thing. Yep. You knew it. But other than that... Um, it made me fucking laugh a little bit. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> where I would have known it from. <laughs> you, you knew it. But, uh, it's, but like yeah. you said, Canadian content, you've, you know, you've been around Alberta in those days. And like, I'm, I'm not surprised. It's just the way shit works around here. I mean, not so oh, much yeah, anymore. Oh, yeah, true, true. I was in Alberta then, and we did listen to... We didn't really have any, and not necessarily that you went to the bands, but you'd be you probably around some of that music anyway. Well, when I worked at the the year that I worked at the Columbia Icefields, we listened to a lot of Canadian content. Yeah, people they you know <laughs> their closest city is Edmonton. My so. friend, my friend Gail had a an, a record player in her mm-hmm. room, and uh, we played all kinds of stuff, and a lot of it was Canadian content because there were kids there from all across Canada that just kind of oh for sure things. Um, and for me, I'm going to say, uh, there's nothing on here that I could, you said that's good that you, one song that people might know. Yeah. There was nothing on there that seemed familiar at all. And, uh, but yeah, it's really disappointing. Multiple, we've seen reviews and write-ups and it says rock, pop, rock band. It's not rock band at and all. And they said it was hard driving Hard driving rock. rock. Which it's, made me laugh. It's so fucking far. First of all, it's like lighthearted disco. At best, it's lighthearted disco. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And say, and what did your dad say when you asked him about it? Oh, that it was the, the exact. Well, pretty much what you said is that that's how he got this album. He he was in a bar. He saw them in a bar and bought the album. And exactly. At Edmonton in like 1979 or 80. Yes. Yeah. That's how he got this album. <laughs> Not a buy from the store. He got it from a show, and that's what happens. Uh, so yeah, that's good. Um, when you let your dad loose around alcohol and albums. Well, I mean, <laughs> he makes <nice>. bad choices. <laughs> hey, I mean, back in the day, you know, that's the mixtape, right? That's what you're going to buy. And, uh, yeah. So if you, if like, my, my note is if you were live and in the bar scene in Edmonton between 1979 and 1980, you know these guys. Otherwise, there's no information these ex- they exist. Yeah, because it did make a comment about them being a popular b-list band yeah at the time so, so yeah they were now would be like the cover the, the cover and... band circuit now in like yeah. vancouver or yeah. victoria so <laughs> so uh anyways uh for me i guess jensen interceptor uh house of lords records catalog h uh, sorry, hc hlr 10002 it's original pressing i would imagine there probably is not a lot of these 1980 uh, condition the cover the sleeve and the vinyl are all like fucking great brand new honestly there's very little other than this little little bit up here that's like yeah that's amazing yeah, it's actually in pretty good shape. and in the this inside perfect immaculate not a scratch nothing is uh the sleeves got lyrics and credits and shit like that so yeah that dude brand with long new. round hair doesn't look like he belongs in that no, band no he looks like he belongs in a band called pentagram or goat fucker or something like that yeah not jensen interceptor with a couple of cunts and white suits so anyways i'm sure they're all lovely people 
Um, <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, photography uh, by Arnie Serenger. Um, this is his only credit, and I do know that he died in 2010 in, in Vancouver. So, oh. Death by Misadventure? Uh, we can only hope. <laughs> That's what we can only hope that Ernie was living his best life. <laughs> Ar- Ernie or Arnie? Oh, Arnie. Arnie. Shit. Arnie's living his best life. Uh, that's it. Like, really, there's nothing else. We're just killing time. We're just filling in. There's no need to fill it. I have... You want to finish, finish it up? Because there's oh, okay. nothing. I got nothing. They're really... It's crazy. So, Discogs has 22 for sale from $6. Oh, that must be the only 22 in existence. 122 people on the platform have it. 11 oh. want it. 11 bet, people want this album. I bet they're all from Northern Alberta. And the part that makes me laugh, 3.77 out of 5... You read that review. 13 people said <sighs> they liked this album. Some sick fucks up. <laughs> so get this. The resale values on this. Okay. $1.50, $8.12, and twenty nine forty eight. Oh, we definitely get 30 We're bucks. We're putting that bitch up for sale. That's a 30 bucker for sure. A person's going to get a good album there. That vinyl's in immaculate condition. Yeah, I, I give it a big old zero. Me too. There's nothing I liked about that experience. This is a this is a rough day. And yeah. we knew we were going to have them. But at the same time, you know, you have your contrast. There's a mi- an album in the middle that, like, blew my mind. So yep. they, they can't There's all be Zeppelins. Always surprises yes. in the shit pile. <laughs> there is. It's amazing to me how small this is. Okay, anyways, uh, Twitter, RFTCS1, Instagram, reviews from the crawl space, one word. And is that it? We, oh, follow us. If you're listening to us, you found us. We're Anchors, uh, Spotify's, um, Google's, Apple's. There is a list of um, platforms, uh, podcast platforms. Whatever that we're podcast on. platform you're on, just do a search for us and we probably there. Yeah. And if not, find us somewhere else. Do a Google search. <laughs> Google it. And this is my most sweared episode. Is it? Yes. I swear more in this episode than I have in any others. Oh, well, good. I like it. It's a nice change. (laughs) Okay. See you later. Bye.